in and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. And the theme of the day, we'll let you see if you can all figure it out, but it has something to do with tomorrow. So don't forget to get out and vote for whoever it is you're voting for and uh, and get the word out. And, uh, and we'll see what happens on Tuesday morning when we all wake up and see what's going on here in this fine country of Canada. But right now we're just going to talk gardening for this uh, this Sunday. Lots going on. We've uh, we've had our cold little snap, and it looks like the next two or three weeks look pretty decent to get out and do some of that fall gardening that we maybe missed out on earlier in the season. Um, that would be including bulb planting. I know Cass Smythe was in the garden center yesterday, her and her friend Verna, where they're in there picking up a bunch of bulbs, and uh, and uh, she said to me to mention that we have garlic as uh, I guess there's uh, people who are looking for garlic bulbs. We still have a good selection of garlic left. And uh, so if you need some garlic bulbs or whatever, or lots of flower bulbs that you plant. So all your fall bulbs, what you do is you plant them now, and that's what will give you those beautiful f- spring flowers. And your spring bulbs, you plant them in the spring to get more summer flowers. So anyway, so th- that is the, the rough cut uh, difference between spring and fall. And uh, we did post a video of Joanna Chudy. She was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, demonstrating how to plant bulbs. So if you go to our Facebook, Instagram, and that you'll be able to see or on, uh, I'm not sure if it's on our website, I don't think so, just on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, first on Spruce It Up, you'll be able to see Joanna show you how to plant bulbs um, to get those gorgeous colors that you uh, would love to see in the spring. Some, there's some nice ones, and we, I think we still have the Canadian 150 ones, um, and then we also have a Remembrance um, one sort of from Holland that's a special edition this year. So there's some there's some really nice bulbs out there, some gladiolas, or not gladiolas, sorry, um, Daffodils, gladiolas are the spring bulbs that you plant in the spring for your summer flowers. And uh, anyways, lots going on and uh, out there. And and it is, it's amazing. We did have that moisture, but it, it sure dries out quick. Some spots, I know there's still some, some wetter areas in town. So if you have planted, newly planted trees, um, it's still good to get out. Give them that good watering once a week when it warms up here. Just a slow trickle into the root system just to get the water down slow and deep so that way you're going to be able to sustain the moisture in the ground for the wintertime. And as far as spring cleanup, I'll touch on that a little bit as well. As you know, you guys know, I sort of am a proponent of more of a wait till summertime. I mean, wait till early spring to do your spring, to do your cleanup. I like to leave a lot of the stuff in the fall, blow some of your leaves off. Don't leave the big heavy piles of leaves on your grass blow them off into the shrub beds, into your perennial beds, and uh, and that way it creates little areas for the ladybugs to hide, all the good beneficial bugs. Also creates that uh, environmental mulch just to help protect your plants. And same, like cutting back stuff, I like to leave everything until spring, unless it's looking really broken and nasty, like all your Carl Forrester grasses. You want to leave those all winter long to just enjoy that big golden plume. Because... Um, Unfortunately, when you think about it, eight months of the year, we kind of see it like that, and the four months we get it in the summertime, so you, you might as well leave it for the longest period of the, of the year and enjoy them through the winter. Um, they just look a little nicer, and plus it also gives the, the root ball that little extra protection. 
um, to go through the winter and uh, and hopefully into spring. And those are all pretty hardy things. So um, that's what I would recommend. And, and watering in all of your, your perennials at this time of year is also just that same thing. Get your slow trickle hose out. Do that, all that kind of watering right now at this time of year. And if you have any questions or if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. You can call me at 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And today, uh, Mark Trozo from our Pruned Up team, he's going to come in and talk about pruning. I know the elm season is back upon us, so we were allowed to get back in there and start pruning elms again. And uh, and Chris is going to give us a shout to see what's hot in the tree lot. It's still lots of time to plant trees and shrubs as well. <coughs> and you're going to get some really, really good deals out there um, on your trees and shrubs. And still lots of time to plant. Just ensuring that you're watering them in well. Find the spot you want. And because they've pretty much gone dormant for the most part. Just got to plant them in the nice spot. Water them in really well. Cover them with mulch. and uh, And you should be good to go. It's another thing at this time of year I like to do is um, using the mulch on your in your flower beds just to um, add the moisture or add the nutrients so that way it'll be there in the spring. One of the really good things is sea soil is a great one for a soil amendment and a fall mulch. Just put it in over top, put it in two or three inches, work it in a little bit, but just leave it on top. So that way uh, it all soaks in, the nutrients from it get into the soil for first thing in the spring. So that way when your trees and shrubs, your perennials and all that uh, are ready to go in the spring, they're going to have some nutrients to provide all that beautiful foliage and flowers going into the spring and summer. Um, Do not use your sea soil as a direct soil (coughs) in the pots like then that's one thing on the bag. It's a little bit misleading when it does say sea soil. Some people think you can plant right in it, and it's just too rich. And it's too thick. It's too heavy to be just uh, as a straight soil. So it, it's an awesome soil amendment, and so that's what it needs to be used at. Another couple things you can use is the cocoa core is a great one. Um, a lot of the composts are really, really good. And also the hemp scents. I love that stuff. Mixing it in to the soil. I just like how much moisture it holds. And it and it just works. And it has some really good nutritional value. It has that nitrogen in there for the springtime to get that going in the spring where you need that little oomph of, of green to get pushed up. And, and away you go. At the fortunate time of uh, we were at a trade show this past week out in Victoria and out in Coachin Bay. Um, some gorgeous uh, scenery out there. If you ever get a chance to go out there in fall, it's like a postcard just driving through everywhere. You just It's like, uh, it's just like a Canadian postcard. Maple leaves everywhere, gold and orange, and just, just beautiful, beautiful scenery. And uh, so if you, get, if you get a chance to go out that way in the fall time, probably in the summer, it's probably as beautiful as well. But in the fall, man, oh, man, it was really, really nice. But rains a lot at this time of year. But if you get a chance, go out, have a look, and see what's going on. But right now, I'm going to go to the phone lines, and I'm going to see. I'm going to see what John's up to. Good morning, John. Well, John's up to watching this beautiful sun. Yeah, isn't it? We've had some this time of year. Isn't it so nice? The sun rises and the sunsets that we are getting. 
It is unbelievable. Yeah, this orange and this beautiful. And uh, I can see the mountains, so and that's quite nice. Yeah, you're lucky you're in the in the Lakeview area, right? Yes. Yeah, no, it's some. Aren't our mountains? And then they almost seem to be magnified at this time of year, don't they? Yeah, they uh, seem to be a bit of haze between here and there because they you you don't really see the bright white of the uh, mountains. Yeah. Well, at times. So. Yeah. So what's... anyway, uh, my pine trees. I got a. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a ton of needles underneath them now. What should I do? Um, unless it's really unsightly, I like to leave a l- as much as you can without, like, if it looks really bad or getting too many, you can thin them out. But those are good habitat for bugs, things like that, that help protect the thing. And it also makes it pointy. So some of those little creepy crawly ones, they don't like going up there or crawl up through there because it's uncomfortable to go through the, through the needle patch. So that's somewhat... And it's just releasing nutrients into the soil that the evergreens like. So what when trees are doing that, they're trying to recreate the forest floor. So that's sort of when they drop that, those decompose, and then they go into the soil and sort of create the proper nutrients for your pine tree. Oh, okay. So if possible, I always like to leave them wherever you can. It just, yeah, I'll just rake them and turn them over and make them look a little... Yeah, you know, that's that's it. Yeah, just spin them around a bit, um, throw a few pine cones in there, kind of dress it up a bit. Um, that always looks nice. And uh, the, pine uh, cone, the pine cones will, will end up in some squirrel's bed. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But what that is, it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's Mother Nature, and Mother Nature is very powerful. So it's uh, it, it does its thing, and... Uh, and looking after the earth and looking after the trees and shrubs and all the other fun stuff. So, yeah, but make sure you water those in really good, John. Um, going into fall here, give them a good slow, deep watering once a week, all your evergreens. And you could even just give them a hose down on these warmer days when it gets above that plus five. Just get a union nozzle and just spray all the needles down a little bit, get the dust out of them. And uh, and then that'll set up, and all that good beneficial water will just drip around perfectly into the to the drip line, which will be great. Yeah, you don't have a a, a business where you'll come and uh, do that for me, would you? Um, I imagine the pruned up guys would if 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 you need to get up higher with because we have the bucket truck, so um, we can definitely check with Mark and uh, and see if he's if he can do that kind of thing for sure. Oh no, it's okay. I just. Kind of kidding. We need something, a big boom up there to uh, flood from the top down. So. Yeah, we just got our second boom truck, so now we have two, two pruned up boom trucks, um, sixty foot lifts on them. So just able to service all our great clients out there. So I noticed that. Yeah, you had them on your Facebook. Yeah, no, we just got it out of the decal shop, and so Mark and the crew is going to get the get the trucks rolling and uh, heading into the pruning season. In the fall and winter, so. Well, yeah. I hope the business really flourishes there for you today. No, us as well. Thank you so much, John. Okay, have a great one. You too, sir. Take Bye. care. Bye bye. Yeah, I know. And now is the time where um, we do a lot of pruning, obviously in the summer. But the fall and winter is actually a great time to do a lot of pruning because you can see the structure of the tree, you can see the structure of the plant, um, you can see the bark a lot better. You can see if there's any damage, diseased branching so you can remove that kind of stuff so this time of year is a great time to get out and do your pruning and and mark is going to join me around just after 10 o'clock 
to chat about uh, about pruning and heading into fall, what you should be doing, and all that other fun stuff. But right now, I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Set you free. Welcome back to Let's Start Garden. We've heard that lots the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Vote me free and I'll set you free. Lots of free stuff going on in this election, depending on who you're listening to. Anyways, let's go to the phone lines and see what's going on with Tay- Tyler. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning. How you doing, sir? Excellent. How can we help you? Hey, I got a Norway maple tree. Yeah. And it's probably about two and a half to three inch diameter, the trunk of it. Yeah. And it got hailed out a couple of years, my whole house and everything. And anyway, it split the bark in a few spots, and there's cracks kind of through the trunk of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then also, what's happening now is about, I don't know. A foot up off the ground, there's a branch growing out of there now, and it's probably uh, growing about a foot. Like, it really grew quite a bit this summer. I'm just wondering if I should cut that off and when the best time to cut that off would be, if so. Is it coming right out of the ground, or is it um, just from the lower trunk? Yeah, the lower trunk, probably about a foot up. So that kind of tells me that it's suffering up top. It's kind of dying back a bit up top. and And it's maple's... And especially with our, our dry falls and that we've been having, um, watering them in the right this time of year till right freeze up is really important as well. Um, on some of those cracks and things, you can use a product that we have. It's called Lac Balsam. Okay. It's a bark replacement, and it'll seal up those those things and uh, and try and because if you leave the wounds wide open like that, the cracks it just sucks the moisture right out of the trunk. And then it just it slowly desiccates sort of from the inside out. Okay. So so you want to just do that as much as possible. The one branch on the bottom. It, so what's happening is a lot of that energy is going down into there. Uh, one other product I'd maybe look at doing um, is first thing in the spring, maybe even using like a thirty ten ten. Um, it tells me that it has a good root system pushing up from the bottom, but you just it might need a little energy up top. Um, so I'll probably use like a thirty ten ten on it, okay. just to push some nitrogen, put some growth up top, okay. and uh, and just do that. But make sure you water it in well, cover it with mulch, maples because they're not native here. Like a lot of the hardwood ones like that, and a lot of our fruit trees, they do need the good winter watering and just mulch covering just to keep them frozen over the winter. Okay. And then, so what about should I leave that? lower branch on there or um, cut it off or um i guess it all depends on if it this looks kind of odd um you can take it off but you have to wait till i would wait till next spring till it's leafed out again now because some you can't prune maples and birch when they're in dormant stage they tend to yeah. bleed and you just don't want to add that extra stress to it right now yeah. and it won't hurt if you did leave it it would just no no it'll be fine yeah okay absolutely Okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah, Thanks no, and that's out. a that's a little extra, I guess, solar panel, right? When it spits out some more leaves, it, it's taking in the energy and helping the tree get healthy again as well. Yeah, no, it that little branch definitely was growing like crazy this year. Yeah, so that's definitely tells me it's dying from the top. So if you notice next year, it does you get some um, less less growth up top. 
um, after and hit it with the 30, 10, 10, two or three times every week. Like as soon as you start, see it button. So early May, do it. And then again, every week, give it a shot of the 30, 10, 10 to get it going and, and, uh, and see what it does. But if you get really minimal growth up top, we might have to look at doing a little bit of upper pruning to remove some of the top half and just let it push up from the bottom a bit more. Okay, so when would be the time to prune that top if there's some branches that aren't growing up there? Um, well, you'll know it's sort of by the 1st of July, you'll be able to say, hey, that thing, it's just not pushing up top. The the leaves are really, really small. It's it's suffering kind of thing. So at okay. that time, we'll look at doing a reduction. Okay, awesome. Thanks All right. for your help. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's always the problem in, in Calgary, it's, and especially when you get some of those cracks. We've had a lot of frost cracks in a lot of the apples and, and some of the ornamental crabs, um, maples. You see it in ash trees as well. Um, it's just our dry dry um, winters and that really, really cold that we had last January, February, when it was at minus 30, minus 40, um, just cracks and splits the bark because uh, it's just a little too cold. Somewhat like our furniture, when <laughs> it just gets a little bit dried out, which is... Which isn't good um, going into that, and I got a couple of texts here finally, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna just wait to the phone line till after the break, and right after the break I'll hit Dave, Marie, and Nicole. Um, here we go. We got hi again. I got a tree sapling from the city of Calgary for Canada's 150th birthday. It's one in the green cage holder. Can you identify it for me? And I'll pop up the picture. Yeah, that looks like a trembling aspen. Or it could possibly be a Swedish columnar aspen, but to me it looks like it, it's a type of aspen of some sort. So I think it's it's a, uh, yeah, just an aspen, trembling aspen. It could be a columnar. It's hard to tell because it's quite small, but it looks like it's grown pretty decent for you. So hopefully that helps and uh, and you should be good to go for that. Make sure you just water it in. Pull those weeds out around it like that. Try and create a little bit of a tree well around it so it's not competing with the grass and then just mulch it over nicely and you should be good to go. But right now I'm going to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And and I got a text here. It says, on the morning show last week, there was a guest who said that leaving the leaves on the lawn was good for your lawn. Do you agree? I, I do agree, and that was Cass Smythe. She was on there. Um, I just, you got to be careful not to, if it's really, really heavy, I think it can cause some issues. Um, if you just have a few leaves scattering all over, it sort of protects it. Um, it, it definitely doesn't do any harm. Um, just don't put the big piles and then leave it in the middle of your lawn. Um, or if you live in a big um, poplar jungle and it's just coated all over your grass, I, I would definitely remove them or, or thin them out a bit. Um, but what it does is it creates really nice habitat. If we lived in Vancouver Island or even Vancouver, England, where a lot of gardeners come from, the typical thing to do is clean up really, really nice in the fall and cut everything back neat and tidy 
and all that. It's, it's just in Calgary, it's the wrong thing to do. Um, you want to leave Mother Nature. All those plants die back a certain way. They leave their foliage on. They hold their foliage so that when it dies back, it sort of crumbles upon itself and, and covers up <clears throat> its root system and things that protects it. So that's really why you want to leave it as well. And like I was saying, with a lot of the grasses and things like that, it just gives us some winter interest over the winter, and uh, which is... which. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, it's eight months of the year for us. It's, uh, like I said, it's October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, we start getting. So it's sort of that, uh, it's a long time in between leaves. So, <laughs> so there you go. So, so yes, I totally agree with, with Kath and that saying, but I think it's everything in, in moderation, just like a lot of things in life. And just, uh, just don't make big, big piles on your grass. And uh, you're good. Let's go to the phone lines and chat with Dave. Good morning, Dave. Yeah, good morning. How can I um, help you? Good. Um, I think we're suffering from an insect infestation that uh, maybe came in uh, uh, with some pet plants that we annuals that we potted uh, this this spring. Uh, and I go online, and I'm pretty sure it's a, a, a weevil. Okay. What and, what kind of plants is it affecting? Well, I'm not real certain of which plants it's infecting, other than we have these weevils that were starting to come in in quite large numbers into our home through small crack in our screen door and uh it's coming from an annual either petunias or we had some grasses that we put in some pots on our deck yeah those are typical things that weevils like a weevil is are you thinking of a beetle and it's called like a like a it's a little beetle that looks black with little a v on the back yeah i mean it's got a dark brownish look to it yeah six you know quite crunchy yeah that it's called a sir it's not a weevil it's a serval or something i'll I'll look at the name it's slipping my mind right now but those those come in at this time of year we get quite a few people um talking about and they do go into the cracks there is a couple products you can spray we have one that's called kills and it, it it's a it's a residual so you can spray it on all those cracks and things like that and uh-huh. when they go on there it does get rid of them Okay, so I mean, uh, a now, weevil. It, it, just to explain that a, we, a weevil is more. It looks like a little maggot, okay. and what oh, it does, yeah, no. and it gets in. It'll crawl up. I was just at a client's house um, yesterday in Sundance, and a friend and a client, um, and they there's a couple of spruce trees in the back. So what these little maggots crawl up to the top, and then they eat. They start to go in on the new growth where it's soft. And then right. they start eating the tree from the bottom, except on um, the blue fox willow in that they eat them at the trunk right at the ground level. They get in and they, they burrow into the, the trunk of the, of the blue fox willow, and they'll just eat it. And all of a sudden, your, your willow looks fine one day, and then it just flops over. And right. you'll just see a whole bunch of sawdust at the base, and these little things have just gone thing, and they eat it from the inside out. Okay, yeah. So this is not a weevil. No, then. it's a serval or something. I, I'm, that's it's C E R. I'll look it up and I'll and I'll find it at, at the break there. Right. And um, so, is there anything like I'm assuming that it's in the soil in these pots? Or I'm no, it's it's just they're 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 in around Calgary at this time of year. They always come in. They're looking for the warmth. They go up against the house where it's nice and warm. It just feels way better than being out. It's almost like a cinch beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's just much warmer, you, you know, and just like all of us, we kind of tend to go inside for the winter. Yeah. Those, those little beetles all look for those kind of areas to go do that as well. So Right, right.
right. So is there something, again, that you Yes, say- there is a spray. It's a residual spray. It's called Kills. Um, it's in a, it controls like 40 different things, but it has a residual. Okay. And, uh, I know we carry it out at Spruce It Up, but, uh, that's one of the ones that works good for that kind of thing. You just spray it around the perimeters, your cracks, sort of where you see them going in and and then that'll definitely help you out. Okay. So do they, do they live in the soil or do they? No, there, no, most beetles aren't really in the soil. Like they're more just out in the boat, the bugs. And I think they're just in your plants and things that they don't really come on. Like they're not big on annuals or anything. They're just, they're quite native to our area. So it's just this time of year, they all of a sudden seem to pop out. I'll get quite a few calls typically at this time of year. So yeah, we actually had them through a good part of the summer as well. And oh, really? At, at on the house or more in the plants? Well, it was hard to tell whether they were coming from the plant. I really noticed them in the plants. Yeah. Um, but they were coming into the house, you know. Yeah. Well, and it was it was a wetter year, so and again they they do like being closer where it's dry and warm and things like that. So that's I mean they're not really a ground beetle. They're more of a a dry thing, and uh, like I said, I'll look up the name here, and uh, and give a little more information about it. I okay. said it's sort of slipping my mind a bit. I'm out of beetle mind right now. I'm okay. <laughs> I can only retain so much. <laughs> okay, right. All okay. right. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Bye bye. Uh, all right. Actually, I'm just going to take a break. What do you think, Brian? Yep. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. And thanks again to Brian for uh, always a good theme. He looks them up each and every week here on Let's Talk Gardening. And uh, it's amazing once you dig into a topic, what uh, what songs come out. And uh, always a lot of good tunes. So um, for the last caller <clears throat> regarding the Beatles, um, I'm pretty sure it's the box elder bug. They come out early spring um, when the elders buds open and they hang around a lot of the trees and that, and then they definitely they move inside to in the for the winter time to look to hibernate for winter. But there's also a black, and it says a black and strawberry root weevil that overwinter in the soil among houseplants. Huh? And I've never, um, I, I haven't really seen those before. So um, there is a it is a type of a different type of weevil. I don't know if those maggots turn into these when they get older. Um, I have to do a bit more research on that. I always just, I'm always dealing with the weevils at the stage when they're in the plants and doing all that damage when you have your, it looks like a crane or a hook um, cane on the top of your of your spruce tree when the, when the leader rolls over and, and starts dying from the inside out and it slowly goes down into your tree. So uh, anyways, I'm going to go to the phone lines and we're going to chat with Marie. Good morning, Marie. Hello. Hi, how are you? So good. And I like to plant some garlic, but what type of fertilizer should I put in the ground before I plant it? Um, you can definitely use like the bone meal. We do have like a bulb dust, but they do they do they really like the bone meal. Oh really? Yeah, that's good for a lot of your uh a lot of your bulbs just for the root. Okay. Um do it really sickly? Not not real thick, but mix in a good chunk and then just mix it into the soil. Like, yeah. yeah, put a couple of tablespoons or like a good little handful into it and mix it in good around the soil. Mm-hmm. Are you planting a, like a garlic patch? Well, I, I like, I mean, I was never successful. They always turn out so tiny. 
you know. Yeah. Is it an area with lots of sun? Yeah, yeah, it's lots of sun. Okay, yeah, so just dig up, really turn the soil over really good. Yeah. Like dig down as deep as you can, mm-hmm. go into the soil, and then add some bone meal in there, and then yeah. plant your bulbs in, and then you should be good to go. Yeah. All okay. right. So you think uh, if that bone meal did turn out bigger? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because it, it, it just gets it, gives it the nourishment it needs mm-hmm. as well. And what you can also use um, in the springtime when it gets going a bit, you can use like the 15-30-15 as a fertilizer. Oh, really? On top? Yep. Oh. All right. Yeah, and so what about this wilt-proof? What's the temperature for wilt-proof? You sort of want to do it when it's above plus five, like... Today's sort of on the cusp. We, uh-huh. we have a few days coming up this week when you can do it. So you want to use that on all your tender evergreens, your cedar, your oh. cowrie boxwoods, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Some of your junipers, the upright junipers will definitely benefit from it. And what it is, it's the lip balm for all your tender evergreens that aren't really native to your, your spruce trees and things like that don't need it. Um, yeah. But definitely, like I said, um, junipers, cowrie boxwoods, yeah. um, cedars, things like that will definitely benefit from the use of the of the wilt proof. And so the cold weather doesn't affect that then. No, no, you just want to put it on there where it's a little bit warmer. And uh-huh. then, like I said, it's just a it's a natural biological um, sort of like it's like a, a wax covering sort of thing. Oh, and it just seals the moisture into the foliage. Uh-huh. And protects it from those desiccating winds that we have. Cause, and also, if you do any outdoor winter arrangements, yeah. like if you put evergreen branches in your pots or anything outside or even in the house, yeah. you spray it with the wilt-proof, it'll make it last three times as long. Oh, so you just lay it all out on a corporate box, spray it down really good, let it dry, and then make your arrangements or your garland rope or whatever you're doing inside the house. So, Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great stuff. Actually works really, really well. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Always always good calls from Marie when she's calling in. And I did get a, a text here. And, oh, that's a gorgeous. You got a passion flower, and it looks like a mix with a thunbergia. I just got a text. And let me just get out of the picture and so I can read the, the words. Oh. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's a great picture. If you just sent that in, it looks awesome. It's a Thunbergia mixed with a passion flower, looking really, really good. And that was from Wyona. And we have a little bit of time here. I'm going to take one more call. Good morning, Nicole. Hi. Hi, how can how I help you? you? Good, how are you? I have a couple of peony questions. Okay. So I have a tree peony, which is at least 10 years old. Oh, and nice. Yeah, it's great. I got it as a, a freebie from the Calgary Zoo. They had a peony workshop. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was great. Anyway, it did has bloomed, but uh, it didn't bloom this year. It's in a shady spot, and it needs to be moved. Yeah, yeah, the peonies I, love the sun. Yeah, did I miss the window to move it? Yeah. Can I um, do that today? You, you still can, but on those, I, I do prefer to move them in the springtime. Oh, um, okay. Um, just dig around, get a, like get as much of a, of a ball as you can around it. Um, first thing in the spring, because then you know where it's going to go. You, you, you're apt more to look after it a little bit better and uh, pre-dig your hole where you're going to go to um, mm-hmm. and then dig up a nice clump. And try. And the key to those is keeping it at the exact same depth as it is now. Yeah. 
So that's why when you lift it up out of the ground, you kind of want to get your shovel underneath and just lift it as a whole ball as much as possible. And then put that ball onto a tarp or something, then slide it over to the new spot and then right. and then gently put it into the new one, pack it in, try and keep it at the same height. And at that right. point, um, I definitely use the Rage Plus or the mics is a okay. great, any of tree and shrub mics or the perennial mics if you have it. Um, right. put, put a fair bit of that all around the roots and that will definitely help get the mycorrhiza, get the bulb going again. Okay, yeah, I do have mics. Um, and my other question is about um, cutting down peonies at this time of year yeah. to avoid any mold. Does that a, so I usually do if I get to it, but does that include eye-toe peonies? Should I cut that down to the ground? Yeah, you should. Only if you've had the issue with, with powdery mildew or mold. If you haven't had any, again, I like to leave most of my foliage on until mm, springtime. Because okay. if you watch, a lot of it just falls down upon it and protects it. Um, and that's, like I said, Mother Nature works um, in its own way to help protect itself, right? And and like I said, in some other climates, um, definitely where it's warmer, like I said, Victoria, Vancouver, areas like that, even Kelowna a little bit, but they were cool. But in Calgary, we get those dry, cold winters, and, and the more you can protect it, the better off, the more um, success you're going to have with a lot of those bulbs and less winter damage. Because um, it creates that, uh, it creates its own natural mulch over top. Okay, thanks. Right. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And definitely, no matter who you're voting for, get out. Make sure you vote tomorrow if you haven't already done so. Um, if you don't vote, you cannot complain. So get out and vote. And let's talk to Carol right now, and we'll vote on what's going on with her tree. Good morning, Carol. Oh, good morning. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you doing? Oh, good, good, good. Sorry to bring but, politics uh, we, into we your have, tree. We have a property east of Vernon here, like we use as a cabin, okay. and it's on the river. It's big, huge trees everywhere. Oh, nice. And when, Yeah, it's really nice. And we got out there uh, a week ago, and a 75-foot fir tree had fallen down across our oh. driveway, and it took out about this birch clump, the two two branches of the birch clump and left the other five um, branches. This is a big tall birch tree, but it took out two of the five um, trunks birch clump. And I'm wondering, is the best way to protect that birch clump to put some of that lac balsam on or should I do something else? Did you, did you, have you since cut those off sort of down, right down to the... Out there with the chainsaw, we've got lots of firewood. Yeah, down to the base sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, we've done that. Awesome, yeah, because you'd still have leaves, so did it bleed very much at all or not at all? Uh, did it bleed much, Barry? No. No. Okay, good. Yeah, because you'd still have probably leaves on it and stuff like that at this yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's still... Yeah, you're still in a little bit more summer than us. Yeah, not as much as it should be right now, but anyway. Um, No, I, when we're just pruning, I, I just, if the lawns it's been cut properly, I just like to let things heal themselves. Like if you if it got just pruned 
And uh, if you created the good cut at the base for it uh, so it can heal, um, I, I'm, I'm totally fine. I wouldn't worry about the lac balsam or anything like that. All um, right. So the rest, you think the rest of the clump should be okay then? No, absolutely. Because you got rid of the d- damaged branches. So that's so, so many times when people leave something that's damaged or cracked or sometimes it, that's where the problems start and then it keeps, keeps getting worse. It goes into it. So what I would do is just, do what you did. You guys did everything right. Just prune it back, remove the dead, damaged, disease stuff, and uh, and just ensure that it's getting a good watering um, going into fall, winter, and then again next spring. Do you guys have the birch leaf miner out? No, no, so we don't. I don't know why it's in Calgary. You think no, no, it would... we don't have birch leaf miner, do we? You would see oh, it on your birch trees. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, do you? Oh, okay. Yeah, so no, we, we we have that for sure. Now, should I give it some rage as well? You think? Absolutely. Birch trees love rage. Okay. Yep they they respond super well to rage, um, for whatever reason it's it's probably the one plant that responds even better than anything else to to rage plus. So absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. Mark. And I'm sorry I missed you. Rage. I guess when you came into the store there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping to lay eyes on you, but... <laughs> Absolutely, no, because I know you've uh, texted in for, for years here, so um, great, very nice to chat with you. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, you too. Yeah, take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And uh, that's Carol from Vernon. She's been texting in for a number of years with questions and contributing to the show, which is is uh, awesome when we get people, because we are widespread, and you can listen... Um, pretty much anywhere in the world, if you like, on online and also on podcasts. We're on all the Apple um, podcasts, any other podcasts, Android, and whatever else you can re-listen to. If you sign up to them, they get downloaded automatically into your podcast, and you can listen at any time as well. Obviously, you can't phone in at that time, but you're good to go. And here I got a quick text. Hey, Merle, speaking of Aspen, is now a good time to remove larger branches three to four inch caliper. Um, you, you definitely, you can do it at this time of year. Um, more of it's dead damage disease or, or going into to doing some shaping. It's a, it's a good time to do it. It can heal up properly and, uh, and you're good to go. Just really watch. Don't leave clump or don't leave any stumps. Like so you don't want to get real, real close to the trunk. Um, and also if you're cutting bigger branches off, do it in three stages. Like take the top, last third, and then an, and then another third, and then sort of three cuts, and then leave the last six seven inches, and then cut that as your last cut. Um, if you try and take too much of that branch off at one time, it'll tear on you because the 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 wood on an aspen is really quite soft. And the bark is really soft, and you should do this with any tree when you're doing just proper removal. You take it off in stages. You take the branch in three or four cuts, and that way the last one you have a nice controlled cut, and you can cut it right just past the collar, and then that's that way it's able to heal nicely and without getting any of the disease because they're fairly susceptible to some of the diseases and funguses when the big clump, big stumps are left on the on the branches when you're doing any pruning. And I will touch on with that with Mark Terrozo, um from our Pruned Up team. He's going to join us here just after the after the break. And uh, and right now I should probably just take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening. 
And if you'd like to join me, there's uh, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770, and that is the talk and text line. And But right now, I'm just going to go to Mark Trozo, and he's with our Pruned Up. He uh, he runs that department for us down at uh, Spruce Up Garden Center. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing? Good, good. Are you up in a tree right now, or what are you doing? Um, I'm hiding from my son right now in our spare bedroom because I didn't want to interrupt our phone call here. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, That's how it is when you have a young family. I know I've done that a few times in the house, too. I'm on the phone. Every once in a while, you'll hear, where's daddy? Where's daddy? And I'm like, okay, I better better close the door here so I'm fine to talk. Absolutely. Um, so now we're just heading into the fall season of the of the pruning. Elms have come back onto the docket and a few other things. So um, if people, what should people be looking at and what kind of services are you providing this uh, coming into fall and winter? Well, so, so now the trees are going in dormancy, leaves are falling off. Um, it's a little bit easier to, you know, recognize some, some structural issues. Um, black knot and the maydays and the Schubert choke cherries are way more visible. Um, yeah, pretty, it, it is hard to see them, like we said, especially in the purple leaves on the Schubert. Sometimes the black knot gets hidden in there, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And, and it's way more visible now uh, because the leaves are gone. Um, it's easier to spot uh, broken limbs from storm damage from the high winds, especially when we got that heavy snow a couple weeks ago. And, and we are still seeing there is some trees out there was still damage from snow timber a few years ago um, that just never did get looked after, and if they're up high in some of the bigger poplars and some of the bigger yeah. trees. There's some. There's still some damage up there. Yeah, there's still some damage, and then also too. Um, some of them are bouncing back from um, maybe the bigger the bigger limbs that failed. So you know now's the time to come in there, thin it out, um, you know, reestablish some some branch structure and and just get it back to where it needs to be. Okay, and we're getting lots of calls, and I'm seeing lots of weevil and birch leaf minor damage. So what 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 can people do about that next spring? Um, it's, it's always good to have, uh, a plan, plan in action. So you want to call ahead of time, uh, get on our, our list for, uh, the triazin injections. Um, you know, the weevil and the spruce trees, you want to get cut out, but you also now want to get your spruce trees addressed with the deadwood removal. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm so, always impressed with that. Like, you don't realize how much to you do the before and after. Like, when you have your big 30, 40 foot spruce tree and you look up before, then you look up after. It's just like, holy cow, it looks awesome. Yeah, it's day and night. Um, you know, and, and you don't want to be pushing nutrients uh, through the tree to the dead portions, right? You want to get new growth every season. You want to have the good, viable life in the tree. So, you know, it's always good to get that, that dead wood out. Absolutely, and if there's damaged branches, especially too, right? Just because the tree uses a lot of its energy to to try and revive those old branches or those damaged branches. Yeah. So yeah, you just want to get those ones the damage cut out, and then you can start establishing uh, new growth. So the trazon looks after both the weevil and the and the birch leaf miner, or are they separate ones? Uh, for the weevil, it's mostly just getting it cut out to to where you don't see. 
any evidence of it anymore. And then you kind of just want to do, you know, your due diligence with some deep watering, maybe do some deep root injections to help prevent reoccurrence. And then the birch leaf miner, if the tree is, is young enough, you can spray for it. Um, but if it's a bigger established birch tree, then you're going to want to do the injections. Yeah. And so when do you when do you guys usually start the fertilizer program in the spring? As soon as we have uh, a few weeks of uh, above weather over the over the evening, then we'll start that program. I think. So to be beginning of May, sort of thing. Yeah, beginning of May. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully. long enough. Well, I, I remember some Mays when it's still ice on the ground and on May eighth, and then we go from zero to five hundred miles an hour the following weekend. So exactly. Yeah. Um, so what what other things can people do? Like I said, at this time of year to just ensure that the the tree is going to be healthy going into next spring. So before you. You put your hoses away for uh, for the winter. Try and get uh, you know at least one day a week with some deep watering. Um, you can put some mulch down uh, in the tree beds. Uh, just kind of do an inspection of all your trees. You know now's a good time if things are kind of overgrown and getting too close to your house to get them trimmed back. So just kind of be aware. Also look for cracks in the trees because this is when they'll. When they freeze up, you'll start to notice that expansion in the wood. Um, so just kind of things to, to be aware of. Okay. Awesome. All right. And uh, so you've added another another truck to your to your fleet in the pruned up department. So Yeah, we just got the decals put on here uh, Thursday. So I know the guys are itching to get uh, <laughs> They want to roll out the new one now. Using that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, it looks great, and uh, and and good on you guys, and and uh, and it's nice to have another truck. So when we get busy, um, you can get both go both crews out there, and uh, and then you also have another chipper truck and fertilizer. So you got a nice little fleet going. Absolutely, and I also wanted to do a shout out to uh, everybody in Manitoba that's been yeah working, working around the clock here with the the damage with those trees. So hopefully everybody's safe and. And you and I have talked about that a fair bit, how how dangerous that type of work is, that around the power lines and and storm damage removal isn't just regular pruning. It can be quite dangerous. Absolutely. Like, it's just a different beast when trees fail and and they're on top of houses, you know. Um, Just you have to be so much more aware. So I just really hope everyone's being safe down there, kind of going through the same stuff that we did with snow timber. So... Um, yeah, I just, just really hope everyone's safe. Absolutely. No, good thoughts, Mark, and thank you so much, and thanks for calling in, and enjoy the problem, rest of your day. Enjoy the day. Thanks. Glad thanks, my uh, son didn't interrupt us. Here. No, all good, all good. <laughs> all right, bye. See you, man. Bye-bye. Yeah, I know, and uh, definitely our thoughts out to them. They, they're living the snow timber, um, and it almost looks, could be a little bit worse than what we had um, back in the day, but I, and I didn't really think about it as much. Um, but with talking with Mark, because he is a professional and certified ISA, this how dangerous that type of removal. The trees are falling in a different way, um, and sometimes people jump in just with chainsaws and start cutting and not realizing um, what is going on with that tree. So if you if you are in that area, if you know somebody in that area, make sure that they they. Be patient, get, let a professional get in there and and help them out with that. But right now I'm going to go to the phone line and chat with Kurt real quick before the break. Good morning, Kurt. How are you 
today? Good, good. How can I help you? I got a couple of questions about uh, putting the lawn away for the winter. Okay. Um, how long or how short should I cut the grass? Um, typically what we recommend is in that two-inch range. Uh, it can go a little shorter. I'm not a huge advocate of leaving it all real, really long. We've had a lot of those uh, voles, moles, field mice that come in and do that uh, tunneling all through our grass. Yep. And I just find the longer it is, um, it gives them that environment to do that more. So so um, if you're just in that two-inch range, you're going to be great. Um, and ensuring if you're using the, the Green It Up fertilizer as well. Yeah, I do that. Awesome. Then you'll be able to, it has a good, uh, good strong root system. It's able to revive itself really good in the spring and, and go nice and thick for you. So, yeah. So, so I've got some leaves on the grass too. And should I be uh, picking that up with the... Uh, you know, the mulch or the, well, or the mulch it, it depends. Like I mentioned earlier, I know Cass Mythe was on Global and, and a few of them chatting about the, leaving the leaves on. And I, I believe in that as well. It just, it can't be too thick. You just don't want it real heavy on your grass. Because um, what those leaves do, they, they add winter protection, uh, but they also create those little uh, hideouts for the beneficial bugs like your ladybugs and, and things like that. So um, if it's real heavy, I, I like to even, because there's still a lot of leaves left on our trees because we got frozen on there, unfortunately. So when we're going to get some of those strong winds coming up, when we start getting some Chinook winds, it'll blow a bunch more leaves down onto the ground and they're right. going to be nice and dry. Um if, there, if you have a fair bit right now, even if you take the bagger off your mower and just, just go over top, raise it up a bit so you're not cutting a whole bunch of grass, um, but just raise it up and just go over top and just blow it all to the outside. And then that way all those leaves get chewed up a bit and get into your shrub beds and things like that and create that beneficial mulch. And then it's amazing where they go in the spring. You'll have to do a little bit of a spring cleanup, but it's amazing how a lot of it disappears. Okay. So. That's yeah. what I would do, and then just after that, let everything else just fall on there because most of the leaves that are on the trees now, it's they're all freeze-dried, so there's no really any moisture left in them, so they're not going to cause the, the mold and the damage to your grass or anything like that. Okay. So, And when should I cut? When's the last time I should cut it? Well, depends on our weather. Um, I, I would... It, it's definitely slowed down a ton because we have had that really cold weather, early on so it kind of put the brakes everything that says whoa that's that's cold i better stop growing um so a lot of the grass has, has slowed right down so i think if any time now you give it the last cut for the season you should be good to go maybe go over it higher first with the with the blower like i was saying mm-hmm. take the bag off blow the leaves off and then lower it one more time with the bag on just to to remove that last bit of mulch or or if you have a mulching more just take a little bit off and and mulch that beneficial stuff into the ground Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kurt. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, this time of year, and it all depends, and I haven't really seen a whole lot of forecasts for the winter, what they're saying. Um, hopefully, um, we just get somewhat of a normal winter um, going in, and uh, this, but it, it is looking quite decent um, right through until early November. Um, so, again, just make sure we get out, do that watering, do those things that we need to do um, going into the fall, winter. It's somewhat back into normal temperatures at this point. But right now, I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Let's the Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Cowie's full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I'm going to go to a couple texts. And what do I got here? Um, I'm still figuring out this new... Uh, our new texter thing. <laughs> Good morning, Merle. Do you think I should keep using Rage Plus on my trees and shrubs right up till freeze up? Um, you can do one more time, but it, it's just almost beneficial just to, to stop um, with the Rage Plus and just start again first thing in the spring. Because when it's cold, a lot of the, the nutrients and the microorganisms and stuff that Rage um, develops, it's just not going to happen when it gets cold like this. So I would definitely just hold off wait till springtime, give the trees a good watering in first thing in the spring. And when it's warming up there the first week or so in May, you can start giving your, your trees and shrubs the shot of fertilizer or the Rage Plus if you're on that program. Um, but at this time, I would just more concentrate on, on watering your trees in, hosing down the, the evergreens and knocking all the dust and bugs and stuff out of them as best you can. And like I said, a lot of that beneficial water will go right on the drip line on the outside of that from your evergreen. So that's more what I would do if I was you. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. We do have a couple callers on, and I'll get to them, but we do have some spots if you'd like to join me. 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770, and that is the talk and text line. And right now I'm going to go to Tracy. Good morning, Tracy. Hi, good morning, Merle. How can I um, help you? Merle, um, you guys were out a couple of years ago and we put in some columnar aspens in the backyard. Okay. So our sewer line just collapsed and, of course, they were. <laughs> I planted them right over the sewer line. So um, they took them out yesterday, but what they had to do is they just put a strap around the neck of them and lifted them out. So they came out in this perfect clump, like just absolutely perfect, which I think is really good. My concern is that taking them out, they had to grab around the neck. They weren't they weren't going to sit there and dig down <laughs> to find a basket and everything, yeah. you know. Um, so the one doesn't seem to have too much trauma, but the other one, I mean, it definitely pulled some bark about six inches up right from the ground up. Yeah. So putting them back in, I said, you guys got to use the baskets, which they're fine to do. Um, what do I do with that now, Merle? Uh, it, it is going to be, and a lot of the aspens don't have like thick, like they do have a no, bit spruce. more of a, sorry, I meant to say columnar spruce. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, the damage on the bark, I would definitely seal up. I would get some of that, just cut out any of the loose bark and stuff as well. And then seal that up with the lac balsam as best you can. Okay. And and the spruce, I, I'm not sure if I'd worry about getting the basket back in. I would just, if it popped out with this, the root ball, I would just concentrate on getting that root ball back in, um, plant it up just a little bit high, an inch or so out, and then mulch or mound up to it, pack it in really well, water it in. And, uh, and if it's a little bit taller now, you might need to stake it up. Depends how big a root ball it got because it might be a little top-heavy. Okay. Does and that so make no, sense? Like the, the basket didn't come off. It came out perfect. Like okay. Still awesome. Intact. And so the question is, so all the new fine roots are all along the top. Yep. 
but the bottom, you know, where the burlap is and the bags they come in, yep. it still hasn't broken through. So how many years does that take for them to get through there? Am I not watering deep enough for that's, it? Then, that's maybe? the main thing, yeah. And a lot of spruce have their roots are more surface roots, but definitely you could definitely water deeper. Like that's that's a big cause of that is it's a lot of times we just water on top and the bottom half of the root balls end up dying back, especially with okay. it being able to pull up that easy. That just tells me that you did probably more surface watering than slow deep watering. Okay, okay. And then, um, so for today, because they're not putting it back in until the end of the day tomorrow, I was just going to go out. It's frozen this morning, but all those little fine roots are just sitting exposed. I was going to go hose it and put a tarp over it. Is that? No, I would just, just cover it up. It? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put any more water or anything on. Just, just let it let it dry because you're not way if you start watering you can cause even more damage i would just leave everything the way it is let it it's already starting to heal get it into the ground and then at that point if you do have some mike's product you might want to get some of that and rub all over the roots just before they put it down into oh, the ground okay i'll go pick that up yeah. and lack balsams at your shop that's yeah, just absolutely regular stuff, is it? Yeah. okay and uh thank you merle and one other quick question yep is the green it up when I was looking on the bag it just says you know how to apply it but it doesn't say anything about water or not so yeah you don't put- need to water you don't have to water it in it's not one of the ones like the high nitrogen where it's going to burn your grass oh, unless okay. you dump it in too heavy like I've seen some people on the with a spot and actually there's a couple of guys at my store I had them um, fertilize the ditch and uh, in front of the store and they and it dripped and it just let it fall in a big heavy pile right onto the grass um, it will burn at that point, but if you're applying it regularly, you don't really need to water it in unless you want to. It, it definitely it won't hurt it if you do water in, and it won't hurt if you don't. So, um, oh, well, who knew? We all know now. So this is excellent. Yes. That's less work. I love it. Yeah, no, okay. and like I said, the main reason a lot of times those other ones they tell you to water in because they're very high nitrogen. If they're left, they can burn quite easily. So. <laughs> Great. So in other words, with our trees, we're probably going to have a, we waited as late as we could in the season, so we're yep. probably going to be okay for yeah, It them sounds like you should recover. be good. And then just okay. make sure you water them in good, do that slow, deep watering that we were talking about. Make sure you try and put bark mulch over them. And and then in the spring, again, hit them with that slow, deep watering. And then I'd probably go like a 15, 30, 15 or 10, 52, 10 in the springtime just to really try and get the roots back established and do that slow, deep watering, get the roots going down deep. You went a little too fast with that number, 15, 30, 15. Yeah, or 10, 52, 10, sorry. And those are, you want something with a high middle number for the roots. Okay, so which one would you use of the two of them for the um, trees? For the, the 15, 30, 15 is a little more um, all-purpose. You can use it for your flowers and stuff. So if you want to buy a tub of that, it's going to be great for that okay. as well. And then, but use the 52 one for the trees then? Yep. yep. Okay, all right, great. Thanks, thanks. so much. All right, thanks, Tracy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770, and those are the talk and text line. And I got a text. It just says, Good morning, Merle. Thank you for the show. I noticed yellow branch on my mature spruce tree. Any ideas what it could be? Most of it all looks like it's on the inner branches. Um, it's on the smaller branch on the inside. 
And uh, Debbie, that is, so it is quite normal. Um, they're going through the shedding process, and at this time of year, um, you'll see it on the bigger spruce, and it will stand out when that bright yellow and that and some of the pines will see it at this time of year, so it is quite noticeable, um, but really quite normal. Again, on those big spruce trees especially, if we can get out and give them some water, do that slow, deep water around the drip line, get your soaker hoses out, and, and give those big spruce some water at this time of year just to get the roots done. We have that heavy clay and the surface thing, so it would be really, really great um, to to be able to get the water down for them because it, it have seen a lot of desiccation damage to our spruce trees um, in the Calgary area, especially in a lot of the in the yards and stuff like that because just smaller spaces. And as our spruce canopy grows, um, we are seeing that desiccation damage. And here's a, a positive. They have removed all the elms um, from Canyon Meadows um, from death row there. So they've all been removed. And uh, and uh, I know Peter DeMong, they have something on his website uh, stating that they're looking or thinking about some ideas on what to do in there. So um, I did send you a note, Peter, if anybody knows him. Uh, I'd love to chat about some of the tree planting in Calgary. And... Uh, and uh, if I can be of any assistance, would love to be able to uh, to give my two cents wherever possible. Anyways, um, Merle, been distracted by the election. BS, been meaning to ask you. I started my daily as early as usual, planted out, then four of seven died. Out of the three struggled. Only thing I fertilized this year was Rage Plus. That That is a little bit weird. The only thing I can think of is maybe why is if they got planted too deep or kept too wet. Um, the the dahlia bulbs um, typically are fairly easy, and they they do prefer prefer like a soilless mix, like our potting soil mix. They do quite a bit better in that. Um, so maybe if you could send me a little bit more details, but typically, like if, if four of them um, did quite good, um, that's the only reason. And because usually dahlias are fairly bulletproof, they like lots of sun. But they do prefer like the soil, soilless, the soil, potting soil type thing to get going. And they don't like to be overwatered because they have that big bulb. And if you get it too wet, it ends up being, uh, they will rot away on you. So hopefully that wasn't it. But right now I'm going to go to the phone lines. I'm going to chat with Geb. Morning, Jeb. Hello. How you Not doing, Jeb. sir? Geb. <clears throat> anyway, I talked to you before. Yes. Mel. Yeah. I have a question. Yes, sir. Uh, roses. Yep. Um, most, they're all uh, hardy, so-called hardy roses, like Winnipeg Park, etc. Yeah. And I have looked after this garden for more than 20 years. And I, uh, most of the time, put leaves on the damn things and put a little snow fence around it yep. and put leaves in. For the for the simple reason that we get always we get chinooks and then melts and then it freezes again and melts and freezes and then if that happens of course the ground moves and some of the little important roots tear off and then the damn rose dies. Yeah, expensive. Yep. Now what would you say? Uh, <clears throat> that no, what you're doing is a good thing. Leaves or some sort of mulch over top of them is great. Um, a lot of times people use either like a peony ring or a tomato ring. You can put that over top and then fill that up with, 
with uh, leaves, like you said, or you put a wire cage around them, which is great. Um, the key is, and then just mulch around the root system, and usually you're fine because you're mentioning all pretty hardy roses, Geb. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, the other, see, the so-called tea roses, I call, I call those annuals. Yeah, no, a lot of the, they are, unless you really have the wherewithal, like there is, uh, there's some people in definitely our rose society that grow beautiful tea roses and they winter them, but they definitely take a lot more effort to do that. How and, do you winter them? Well, a lot of times they, they plant them at a 45-degree angle, so you've got to bury the graft into the ground. And and then they, they grow up from there. So you plant them at an angle so where you see where it's been grafted on. That gets buried into the ground. And and then basically you cover them up totally. A lot of people put a, a cardboard box, a wax-covered cardboard box, or those uh, styrofoam little structures, fill them with leaves and, and protect them like that over the wintertime. Um, those are some of the, like I said, they do take some extra care. There is that person on Canyon Meadows Drive just on the west side of McLeod Trail. If you go up there and there's a house right on the right-hand side that has a huge rose garden, and most of them are tea roses, and they put rose of plywood up and they mulch it up. They basically cover them all up like a just totally bury them up and uh, totally put a shelter around the whole things. Or put a, maybe... To protect them for the over the winter. Expose them to the heating system. Well, yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's so... I'll cover them again this yeah, year. Yeah, that's but... what you're doing. Sounds like you're doing everything right as much as possible. Um, the main thing is, is after they lose all the leaves, make sure they get watered in really good. And, yeah, well, yeah. And then just cover them with the mulch, and uh, you should be good to go. So mulch, you say mulch at the bottom first? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because okay. that keeps the ground frozen. Yeah, that's so right I after you done. water, you yeah, the put, mulch then, and, yeah, put, uh, put some uh, mulch around it, and then water the mulch really well. As, as, and as, you leave the mulch. Yep. Yep. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you. So Thank you much. so much. Take care. Talk Thank to you, you. soon. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm amazing uh, none of these guys have used any of your great songs, Brian. So maybe they should be listening and they should be calling you and say, give me those good tunes for, for getting the vote out. <laughs> yeah, just call Brian. He'll set you up and uh, and be your music producer and make sure you have all those good tunes for whatever event you got coming and whatever thing is coming here. And uh, as heard here on Let's Talk Gardening. On Sunday mornings, let's go to the phone line. Let's go to Ken. Good morning, Ken. Hi, Merle. Love your program. Thank you so much. Thank you. How can I help you? Uh, Merle, um, I've already done the deed, but I had this uh, mugo pine in front of my house, and it was in some with some other plants, and it was overgrown, and it got really high. Yep. Um, and so I cut it down right to the, the bottom as far as I could get it. Yeah. So my question is, because um, I wouldn't mind a mugo shrub that's only about three or four feet high. Yep. Have I? Can I still get that shrub, or should I take the rest of that? Uh, yeah, for out? the most part, um, yeah, with your evergreen, it, the rejuvenation doesn't work the same way. Okay. Um, unless there's some branches left, but really, if you take it, I would just start fresh and dig it out, and I'd get yourself. There's some great 
um, dwarf mugle pines or or globe spruce or something like that to give you that smaller evergreen look you're going for. Otherwise, you're going to be fighting that um, height especially if you if it did work and you cut it down all the it would have the big root system and then all it would just have all that energy to just go right back up to the original height so um i would just take it out and put the proper plant in the right spot okay thank you i have another question is it yeah. too late to put a little uh, deep water put some water on the all my uh, trees absolutely no it's a great time right now it's supposed to be warm the next few weeks here um just give them all try and give them all a good shot once a week if you can up until freeze up and it'll it'll definitely pay the the benefits back to you next spring because uh it's been it's been a dry our falls have been typically really quite dry over the last three or four years and uh, and that's when a lot of the damage because they go to bed dry and then froze dry and they just don't have the nutrients or the the moisture in the ground so they can be able to produce all those foliage and new needles and everything in the springtime so okay thanks for your help today you're, you're very welcome and good luck Bye with now. that thanks ken bye-bye all right yeah with most of your shrubs um, like spireas and lilacs and nine barks. If you do get some death and and uh, and overgrowing and some bunch of old deadwood in it, you can do a thing called rejuvenation. We talk about it lots, cotoneaster hedges, where you just cut it right down to the ground, and it comes up great because a lot of that you have that full grown root system, and all that energy can go right into all new growth. So it's uh, it's great. But let's go to the phone. I'm going to chat with Dan. Good morning, Dan. Uh, good morning, Merle. How can I help uh, you? I've, I've got a question on, uh, I have a raised garden, yep. and it's about three years old, and I've planted it about 10 feet, which might have been a mistake from some uh, existing poplar trees. Yeah. I uh, This year, I noticed a lot of, when I went to Rototiller this fall after we took the garden out, uh, a pile of really tough roots in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, is that the roots from nothing? Nothing suckered up like a tree itself. It's just that the whole garden um, is just full of these. Yeah, because you're you're putting the nutrients, and probably that area is getting a little more water. Yeah, and uh, and the poplars are saying, "Hey, let's head over there." Yes, that's uh, kind of what we were afraid of. Yes, yeah, uh, so didn't notice didn't notice anything last year because I did add more soil and some uh, yeah. moss and whatnot to it. But, uh, boy, did uh, I ever notice it here in the fall. And even digging up, you know, some of the vegetables, uh, potatoes and stuff like that, that, that's not a potato root. No. So what you need to do is even on the outside of your raised bed, if you can dig down and, and try and, like, dig down a couple feet if you can and even put down either some sort of wood, like a one-by-four pressure-treated or or something down deeper, or just do root pruning every spring as part of your maintenance. Um, okay. And just dig down around it, and you'll you'll end up hitting those roots that are climbing into your raised bed. Okay. Well, uh, and I'll just cut them that. off, and it won't hurt the tree at all. If you're just cutting those few roots, it won't hurt it at yeah, all. Yeah. I do notice uh, there are a few suckers that come up around the trees themselves, and yeah. I was kind of hoping that this wasn't the case, but I, I thought maybe there might uh, be something that I could add to the soil, but then I thought oh, I'll probably mess up the garden. Itself. Yeah, it will. No, those are just some of those, uh, when you got to deal with those nasty neighbors is what's going on. So it's, uh, okay, right yeah. on. Uh, one quick question. I just thought about it while I was listening to you on the radio, waiting here. Uh, 
what what time of year is a good time to I'd like to actually graft an apple branch onto a crab apple tree. Um early spring. Like this when you get spring? that new growth. Um yep. and that's the best time. So you you'll cut off the new growth, like wait till it gets six, eight inches or a foot long, like we get that good spurt. Right when yep. it's that when everything's nice and soft. Um, we have some great grafting tools as well. It sort of cuts oh. it into that little wedge, and it sort it, of creates like a mortise and tendon joint, it, and then it just fits together perfectly. Um, and it, then you just cover it with the grafting wax, and uh, and you're great. It's fun doing that. You can get. Uh, I know super. we we have quite a few apples that are have been grafted with five or six different kinds of apples on them. So, oh sweet, yeah, because I, I have really good success with the crab apples, but I've just got getting no apples off this apple tree. Okay. And they, they, they seem to blossom at slightly different times. Yeah, so. no, they will. The apples typically go sometimes a little bit later. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And okay, it, well, I'll, I'll, I'll so, stop in in the spring and let the... So what you want to do with that existing apple, though, too, is make sure it gets that slow, deep watering, but also feed yep. it. They're heavy feeders as well, because to produce all that foliage and fruit... Yep. They yes. need they need that food so like the fifteen thirty fifteen, um, good soil drenches with that um, definitely make all the difference. So, okay, yeah, I've been using that uh, that liquid fish fertilizer, whatever I picked up at your store there, and the Rage uh, Plus or the zero ten ten. I think the zero ten ten. Yeah, it, it, that's good, but this doesn't have quite enough. Like you need to get that okay. higher phosphate, that fifteen thirty fifteen. If you're not getting the blooms okay. and then the end of the fruit. Because um, typically this past year there was fairly good um, success with a lot of people on apples in Calgary. So, okay, super. Yeah, the crab apples were been sensational this year. Um, really sweet and uh, and really edible. Oh, and, nice. Uh, but the, the I had no apples at all. Okay, which was uh, disappointing. But anyways, I'd like to kind of monkey with that a bit and graft one on and uh, see nice. how that goes. All right. Okay, super. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Yeah, bye. All right. I need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. You don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. <laughs> and that's uh, Brian's final farewell to the election and uh, his despair with it uh, as we head into destruction. Let's hopefully, um, who knows, whoever gets in there, hopefully we uh, get on the right track of what's going on in this fine country. And let's go to Joan. Good morning, Joan. Good morning, Merle. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of course, and you live I in really the, enjoy your show. Thank you, and you live uh, in the beautiful, is it town or city of Canmore? Um, well, I still call it the town. Yeah, town of Canmore. It seems like a town to me, not like a city. Absolutely, it's beautiful but, out there. Um, anyway, Merle, the reason I'm calling is that we we've lived here for well close to thirty years, mm-hmm. and w- my husband and I years ago planted uh, spruce trees. To create a, it was to create a head. Yeah. We now have, you know, 15 feet spruce trees blocking the sun from my kitchen, and we want to. We're not. We just want to trim them down. I'm just wondering, do you have any tips or suggestions for making this um, not ugly? <laughs> um, and and typically, if they're 15, you're still. You probably possibly at a manageable spruce trees aren't meant to be kept as hedges but that being said i have seen them kept at squared off and and top sort of thing and 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 kept as a hedge 
Right. It's something that's going to be yearly maintenance on them. Right. Um, so you might want to have uh, an arborist come in and help you out with get it done first. A lot of ISA guys, they don't really um, allowed or supposed to do that type of pruning because it's... But in certain cases, they, they will look at it and say, okay, this is the only alternative or, or if you're removing them. Um, but it, it, like I said, it's just not natural for a spruce tree to be kept at 15 feet. They want to grow. They want to grow. And the thing is, Merle, they grow, you know, the healthy part oh, yeah. is at the top, right? Yeah. And underneath, they just get uh, more bare, you know, more uh, their, their crowns are what is yeah. healthy. And we're... <laughs> My husband and I are about to kind of uh, uh, chop that chop that down. Yeah. So, like I said, you can. At Get what height? Arm. Yeah. What height do you? We were uh, shooting for about nine or ten feet. You see, these th- these trees that we loved and planted years ago are now. Uh, I'm yeah. not getting any sun in my kitchen because yeah. they're too tall and they're uphill from us. Too. So yeah. So what I would do is, like I said, uh, and I know Mark has gone out. We've done a few jobs out in, in Canmore and things like that. So if you want to give the guys that pruned it up, have Mark come out and have a look. Okay. Um, give you a, an assessment and uh, and see if there's alternatives of what can be done there. And uh, but that's somewhat what I do. But really, once you start on that that uh, train of trying to keep it, it's a it's going to be a yearly maintenance thing because again, all that energy from the root wants to push up, right? So you're going right. to have to keep it trimmed um, every year. So. Every year. And, and you know what, Merle? So is there? Sh- uh, a deep, would you suggest some deep watering? I'm just trying to think of how we can not traumatize well, our it's, trees. it's going to, that really, like, that's always good for all your trees. It's just more of, you're, just, you're going to be affecting the growth habit. You're going to be changing the growth habit of that spruce. It's typically, right. it wants to go to 30 feet, right? 50 right. feet high. Right. And you're going to say, hey, I want to keep you at nine feet. Right. Um, so I probably would have recommended maybe other alternatives for creating the privacy or hedge. Right. Um, like some nine barks or a lilac hedge or some other stuff. Um, yeah. If you have room where you can maybe transplant those somewhere else and and move them around the yard and plant a different hedge in that area. Um. Uh, yeah. That would be. That would just be such a major yeah. thing. Because this is, you know, our hedge is about 30 feet long. Yes. So it's a, it's yep. a, we're on a corner lot, and it just kind of swings around no. the corner, and it's been a wonderful thing. I wish we had an evergreen hedge that was great in Calgary, and, and that's one thing we are lacking, um, unfortunately, in our plant repertoire. Um, even the columnar spruce get taller, right. and um, typically right. you can't get a cedar to grow. Uh, uh, upright juniper um, would be a, probably a better thing. They seem to do right. decent in, in Canmore and Banff area as well. Right. Because um, you don't get quite the Chinooks that we get to dry them out. They send, they tend to be a little hardier out that way. So. Right. Um, but yeah, give Mark a call and uh, maybe set up a time and he can maybe come out and have a look. And that's Mark at Let's Talk Gardening? No, at, spru- no, Mark- at Spruce It Up, at Prune Sorry, It Up. Mark at Spruce It Up. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and Merle, I'll just uh, uh, give this tip to you. When you're in Camor, there is a gorgeous, gorgeous spruce hedge that is l- quite low. Yep. And it's been carefully pruned. Yep. You know, they take about an inch off or a half an inch. Yeah, no, every year though, right? Like it's sort of, they have to keep on it because you're going to get yeah. all that new growth. It's just a beautiful thing, and that's what I wanted. Okay. And, and, and Mark might be able to help you out, so he'll he'll assess it and then go from there. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
And uh, unfortunately, that is it for me. I do have some time. I will grab all the callers on the line. If you do want to hold on, um, I'll, I'll take you guys off air. And uh, don't forget to get out and vote tomorrow. And uh, happy Election Day. And uh, until next time, you've been listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.